0: Now, this week in sport history. October 12th, 1929, the Chicago Cubs blow an 8 0 lead, starting the bottom of the seventh inning in Game 4 of the World Series against the then Philadelphia Athletics. The A's would score 10 runs to take the lead before the inning even finished, thanks largely to a couple of unlucky errors by centre fielder Hack Wilson. Hack by name, Hack by nature. Well, in this game, yeah. Because of the late afternoon sun, it had become very difficult to see the ball, with the sun set now directly over the two-tiered grandstand behind home plate. To that point, Wilson had had issues with a couple of fly balls, but no damage had been done. In the seventh inning, however, what seemed like regulation catches were lost in the sun on two separate occasions, allowing multiple runs to score. The Cubs used four different pitches in the innings, but gave up 10 hits, a walk, and a hit batter, leading to a 10-8 loss and a 3-1 series deficit Which very quickly became a 4-1 deficit the very next game, which of course means series over. After game four, a young fan came up to Cubs manager Joe McCarthy asking for a baseball and was told, I quote, come back tomorrow and stand behind Wilson. You'll be able to pick up all the balls you want. Ouch. Ouch indeed. October 13th, 1984,
1: Englishman John Lowe becomes the first ever player to achieve a live televised nine dart finish at the MFI World Match Play at the Fulcrum Centre in Slough. This means he achieved the magical 501 mark with the bare minimum of nine darts. Now, traditionally, most players would try to achieve this with treble 20s on their first six darts, leaving 141, and will often go treble 20, treble 19, and double 12 to finish. But Lowe opted for treble 17, treble 18, and double 18 to hit the mark, pocketing a 102,000-pound prize for being the first to achieve the feat. He would also go on to win the tournament, taking home another 12,000 pounds for the win crazy that you would get more
0: for that. I know. <laughs> it's nuts. Speaking of things that tie into the Richie Faulkner story at the top, Stewie, October 14th, 1862, baseballer James Creighton ruptures his bladder while hitting a home run for the Excelsiors of Brooklyn, then tragically passing away four days later. But there's a lot more to this story. Creighton himself was a pitcher, and back in those days, pitchers would literally amble up to the mound and hurl the ball underarm, more like they were playing horseshoes or maybe even kind of like softball now, I guess. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Creighton decided to try doing it differently and took one step before throwing in a similar way to the way people pitch today. The problem was that in doing so, he included a lot of hip talk, which put a lot of pressure on his organs. And ultimately on that fateful day, he collapsed to the ground in pain after nailing a home run. But in spite of this, got up and completed the game. Apparently all of this was caused by an injunal hernia, which was entirely treatable, especially on a team like the Excelsior's, which was full of doctors. It is speculated, though, that the doctors put him at risk for the sake of winning baseball games, so essentially inventing the modern-day way of pitching actually killed one of baseball's first stars.
1: Mm, it's, that is a very abridged version. That You could honestly write an entire episode just based on that story. Stranger than fiction. It, it really is. October 15, 1972. How about this for a story? Have you ever heard of a tournament where the winner received less prize money than the loser? <laughs> Well, at the season-ending championships of the Virginia Slims circuit, which was the precursor to today's WTA, 17-year-old Chrissy Evett defeated Australian Kerry Melville in the final 7-5, 6-4. But because she was a couple of months short of her 18th birthday, Evett was unable to be registered as a professional and thus had to forfeit her entire $25,000 check, meaning that players who lost in the first round received more prize money than the winner did. Mm. And an example of this was Margaret Court who actually retired in the first round up 5-2 in the third set against, of all people, Jeannie Everett, Chris's younger sister. Ah,
0: there you go. Chris had a decent career in the end, though. Hmm. I don't think she missed that prize money too much. Wow. Well. October 16th, 1921, Jim Consulman takes over as coach of the Rock Island Independence after Frank Coughlin was fired in the middle of the game, which is still the only mid-game coaching change in NFL history to this day. The exact timeline isn't 100% certain, but trailing 7-0 to the Chicago Cardinals, Sid Nichols managed to find Konzelman wide open in the end zone, tying the game. From the ensuing kickoff, Konzelman scored again untouched and converted to give the Independents a 14-7 lead. Now, the crazy part of this is that Coughlin was the coach of the team, but was also one of the tackles, and Big Ed Healy was sent onto the field to drag him off as he was replaced for the play. Once Coughlin was off the field, though, Healy delivered another message from team manager Walter Flanagan. He was fired. Coughlin would see out the season with the Detroit Tigers and Green Bay Packers and then never played football again, becoming a prosecutor and assistant attorney general in the state of Indiana. Consulman would play eight more years with classic teams like the Milwaukee Badgers, Detroit Panthers, and Providence Steamrollers.
1: How nuts is that? A player coach being fired in the, oh, in the middle of a it's, game it's, to make way for another player
0: coach. It's 1921.
1: This Week in Sport History. Thanks for listening to this Sport Blokes segment. Why not listen to the full episode and check out their Twitter at
0: Sport Blokes.